just take a minute to say hello to the person beside you or behind you this morning? We are so glad to have you here with us today, worshiping and giving our praise to Jesus.
prayer continues, would you pray with me this morning? I'd like you to just take a couple moments and just really praise Jesus. That song is powerful. It says, I believe in God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you believe, just give praise back to Jesus this morning. Just talk to him, thank him this morning. He is the one that has brought us to our knees. He is the one that has brought us to the cross. Ask him to lead you to the cross this morning as we continue worshiping. great singing. You can be seated, please. Amen. Aren't you glad to be here this morning? Let's give our God a hand. We're so thankful for our God, aren't you? This morning, I'd just like to have a few announcements to share with you today. First of all, if you'll please pass the friendship folders down the aisle, we certainly appreciate that. 
We'd like to welcome all of our guests to the service today. If you're, if you're a guest here today, please stop by our Welcome Center. We have a small gift. We'd just like to say thank you for, for being here, for coming uh, to our services today. And uh, just a few announcements here as we go through the announcements this morning. Tomorrow morning as our high school camp will be leaving uh, for Tennessee. And there's a nice group leaving from the church here. They've chartered a bus and will be taking them down to Tennessee. They'll have, I think they have some hoagies or something at the end of the ramp from leftover hoagie sales. So if you'd like to help them out, get a hoagie, that's fun. But more than that, I'd like to encourage you to pray for them. Something special happens when we get kids away. We get them out of their environment and they're able to, uh, to, to hear from God a little bit better sometimes when the clutter isn't as much. So uh, I'd like to ask you to pray for the kids every week. You'll be seeing them after the service all over there. It's, it's so exciting to see a church with young people. So pray for them as they go to, to camp this week. And then next week is going to be our vacation Bible school here at the church, July 17th through the 21st. We can always use, uh, there's always room for you to serve. If you'd like to serve at VBS this year, uh, stop by the Gadgets and Gizmos table in the back of the auditorium here and please sign up. We would certainly appreciate that. And uh, that's from nine o'clock till noon. If your kid is not yet signed up, you want your kid to be in vacation Bible school, go to the website and you can uh, pre-register and they'll be all taken care of so you can avoid long lines on that day. There'll be a couple hundred kids taking over this place. I want to ask you to pray and let's pray and ask God to, to do, it, uh, do his work. As we lift him up, he'll draw all men and women unto himself. And then Friday night of VBS, what was supposed to be a June jamboree, it got rained out. It's now going to be a July jamboree, okay? We didn't have enough snorkels to hand out in June, all right? So we're going to make it a July jamboree. So I'm going to ask you to pray for a serious drought that week, all right? We don't want any rain for that week, and we can pray for it to come back on Saturday. But we, we're asking God to be clear so we can uh, just lift his name up out here and just have a great block party for the community at the end of July jamboree. So that would be from 6 o'clock to 9-ish. Right around 8.39, the movie will start, and uh, there'll be a movie out on the lawn. Bring your lawn chair, the invites in, the, in, in your bulletin, so please invite somebody to be here. So that's, that's a lot of fun, exciting things. You also notice in the bulletin it says July 10th, which is tomorrow evening. We're going to have a missionary here, the, the, the Vahalas, they're in, uh, missionaries in Czechoslovakia. They're in town, uh, they're in the area. They're actually this weekend at, at the Czechoslovakian Baptist Convention. I didn't even know such a thing existed, but that's where they're at, up in Meadville, Pennsylvania. And uh, they are going to be in our area for Monday and Tuesday. So Monday evening, he asked if anybody would like to meet. So we're going to ha- have the Canopy Kids room downstairs tomorrow night. We'll have some light refreshments for you and just uh, ask you to come on out if you would and, and just meet the missionary. All his kids will be with him. So if you have kids, bring your kids. They can meet a missionary it's a, it, and get, get, to, get to interact with them. Just an informal time, maybe about a half hour where he'll share, but just more of an informal meet and greet type of time, meet the missionary. So that's tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Um, and we won't keep you all night, but it'll be a great time for you to get to meet, meet a missionary. All right? So that's all coming up. And then uh, today I'd like to introduce you to uh, one of our newest, uh, our newest addition to the staff here. We're, we're adding on to our team, Luke McLean. So I'm going to ask Luke and his wife, Jesse, and their kids to come on up. And we got one that fell asleep on them. I love it. I love it. Can you welcome Luke to our team here at Crossroads? Luke, Luke is going to be the pastor of ministry development, and so that means he's going to, minister, he's going to develop ministries, and he's going to really be a, a big help to our team. You know, uh, he's going to be learning some things from Jim Watts on administration and things like that. Jim has been on our team here since I graduated high school, and uh, so we're, we're looking and getting excited about the future things here, and so Luke's a big part of our future. So Luke, why don't you just share a few thoughts, and, and we welcome you to Crossroads. Yeah. No, it's great to be with you all this morning, and my wife and I and our family couldn't be more excited. This is little Everett sleeping, so he'll introduce himself later. Uh, this is Wyatt right here, and then Jace, and then many of you probably know my wife, Jessie. And so really for her, this is like her homecoming. This is the church she grew up in. So we're really excited to share a family and join your family, and again, we're humbled, and I was kind of sharing first hour. When you're in the midst of your season, you kind of question or wonder, not what's next, but what's the new season, what's the new chapter, and so we couldn't be more humbled 
kind of on this side of, you know, where we are, looking back and seeing how God has moved us and shaped us and, and prodded us in a lot of ways. And so we're really humbled that we get to be a part of uh, this new season, and, and it includes, you know, being a part of this family. So we're really excited about that. Couldn't be, couldn't be more excited. And we're, we're super excited. I, we, we've been talking for months. This has literally been going over on for, for uh, over a year. And uh, he called me up one day and said, hey, let's go to lunch. And I was like, okay. And, uh, and we just, God just took it from there. And so we've, we've been excited. And, of course, I've known him for about five years. And I've known Jesse for, since she was a kid here in our youth groups and all that. So can we welcome the McLeans to our church? Aren't you excited? So. We, we are thrilled what God is going to do. You know, God's been doing such great things in the church. Every week, people are coming to Christ. And, uh, and, and literally, it's happening. Uh, just somebody else this week came to Christ. Last week, somebody came to Christ. It's happening on a regular basis. And we're excited about it. And we're, so we're opening up. And we want to say we want to help disciple. We're going to take this and, and, uh, and just go to the next level where God's called us to do here. So we're thankful that Luke is going to be a part of our team for the future here. This time, I'd like to call the ushers forward. And we'll receive our morning offering. And as they come... If you're a guest here, I want to encourage you to let the offering plate pass you by. Uh, this is for those that are regular in the grace of giving this morning, all right? And uh, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm going to ask Luke to lead us in prayer. Let's pray. God, we come before you, our sovereign Lord. God, we couldn't be more humbled than to be in your presence. And God, to know you walk with us always. And God, you give us much. And so, God, this is just a small uh, way we can give back. God, our, our time, our talents, and our treasures. And God, now we want to give back just our, some of our treasures, uh, God, to you. And so, Lord, we, uh, we give, and we know for many of us it's a sacrifice, and, and for some of us we're trying to figure that out. But, God, we, we know at the end of the day you use all things, God, and it's amazing how you can use us and use what you give us, God, for your glory and your honor. And so we praise you for that, and so we give back to you now. And we thank you uh, that uh, you see us not for what we do or what we've done, but you see us for who we are in your son, Jesus Christ. And for that, we give thanks and praise. And we just uh, pray blessing over this offering. And thank you again for this morning, just for meeting us and just rocking our world with the gospel. We love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Here to set the captive 
slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains. Every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Oh, every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb. Who can stop the Lord? Ephesus, a book tour. And, you know, I've always wanted to go on a book tour, but I guess you had to write a book first, right? Um, so this is our Ephesus book tour. We're going to take a summer book tour. And as we go this summer, we're going to look in the book called Ephesians, and it's going to take us to this place, Ephesus. So if you have the Bible, you can turn to uh, Ephesus chapter 1, verse 1, and we're going to be looking there. We're going to start there. It'll be on the screen as well. But uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, we'll get right into it here. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord, and the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> I want you to think of this this morning, the, uh, the book. We think of this as a book, the book of Ephesians, because the, the Bible is 66 books compiled together. So we, we think of Genesis, we think of uh, the book of John, the book of Ephesians, I want you to think of it not just as a book, but think of it as a letter. Because the Apostle Paul was writing a letter. We're, we're gonna, let's look here a little bit here. This is the opening of his letter. He's writing an opening to the letter. You know, if I was writing a letter, Dear John and Sue, and then you start the letter. So he's writing this letter. This is from Paul. Uh, you know, do you ever get somebody else's mail and read somebody else's mail? Come on, Anybody? There's got to be somebody out there that's happened to, right? Uh, you know, you accidentally get the neighbor's mail and you accidentally slit the envelope and open it up. And you're like, oh, man. You put it back and tape it up and hand it to the neighbor. Oh, I didn't know. And I was hoping if somebody gets my mail, maybe they'd just pay the bills with it, you know? Like, open that gas bill and feel free to do whatever you want with that thing, right? Um, so so here, here, this is what this is. It, it, we're like reading somebody else's mail here. The Apostle Paul sat down and he penned a letter to these people. So let's look here. First of all, it says Paul. Paul. Who was Paul? Paul was the, he says here, an apostle. We know about Paul, a little bit about Paul from the book of Acts. We know a lot about Paul from the book of Acts. Paul one time persecuted Christians. Uh, the, he was an enemy number one of the church. 
And so he was persecuting Christians. He would put Christians in jail. He was even known for killing them. And uh, you could think of him as a, as a terrorist, if you will. He was a Jew, a devout Jew. He knew the Jewish law in and out. He was, he was an incredible brain. He was incredibly schooled at the law. But uh, yet he went out and he, when he heard about these people no longer following the law, but following Jesus, he went out and he was there to persecute them. So here he is. This is Paul, an apostle. Now, the next thing is the word apostle. Apostle is one of those kind of scary church words, all right? I want you to think, when you see the word apostle, just think one cent. One cent from God, all right? So that's all. So he's saying, I am Paul, sent from God, all right? An apostle of Jesus Christ. He, he is sent of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, um, he, and this is the town that he's re- re- sending it to, but he's sending it to the saints. And quite often we think of somebody, you know, when you think of a saint, you may think of a statue, you may think of somebody that was really old, uh, somebody that did something famous in history. But the, the, what, the word saint, that's not how the Bible uses the word saint. It, it just means they're separated. They're, they're separated under God's purposes. So when he wrote to the church at Ephesus, he's writing to the church. It's like saying to the church at Finleyville, to the saints at Finleyville. Now, I want you to look to your neighbor and say, you're a saint. All right, go ahead. Just, just look to your neighbor and say, you're a saint. Okay? Now, look at him and say, you can't prove it. You know? I don't believe it, all right? You know, just the, you know, not by, not. So when we think of a saint, we think of somebody that is so lofty, right? But a saint is somebody who's a follower of Jesus Christ. We're set apart under his, under his, under his work, under his glory. So the, he's addressing all the believers in Ephesus. And so what, you know, where is Ephesus? I mean, where, where is this place? Well, I'm glad you asked. I just happen to have a map here, all right? And here, so here, on Paul's second missionary journey here, just show you here a little bit. Down at the bottom, you see Jerusalem. And Jerusalem, uh, from Jerusalem, that was the epicenter. Uh, that's where Jesus, he ascended into heaven. And so there, uh, all, you, you read a lot of the Bible things around Jerusalem, Jerusalem, part of Israel. So when Jesus, his final words, he tells him to go and make disciples, and then he ascends into heaven. That happened in Jerusalem. There were about 120 followers of Christ at that point that, that saw him ascend into heaven. And then a few weeks later, the Holy Spirit comes, the, the day of Pentecost happens, and the, and the church flourishes and grows, and, so, and, and then the gospel begins to spread. And so it spread up to Antioch, it went north up to Antioch there, just above, uh, j- just into Syria there, Antioch, and then, it went, and then over to Tarsus. So you see the Apostle Paul here, this is one of those, uh, one of those maps, and you may have it in the back of your Bible, but uh, to start, start in Jerusalem and go up there, over to uh, Antioch to Tarsus, that's where... Paul was from. Before we knew Paul as Paul, his name was Saul. Saul was traveling on the road to Damascus. Saul of Tarsus. That's where he was from. He was traveling on the road to Damascus, and the bright light comes and hits him. And and what's in the bright light? But Jesus. So he has an encounter from Jesus. And Jesus says, why are you persecuting me? Basically, stop it. Become one of my followers. And, and, and he has a radical transformation, and God transforms that guy's life. But that was his town, Tarsus. Then you go across there, and you'll notice up on there, uh, it says the word Asia over there, okay? This is actually, that was the biblical. When you're reading in the Bible and it says Asia, that's the area. Today, it's known as Turkey. In modern day, it's known as Turkey, all right? We think of Asia as, as a, a little bit of a different place. But in, the, in biblical times, that was the, when they referred to Asia, it was that, that area there. And so you come off of Antioch, uh, up to Troas, and, and all the places that he met. And then he went over to Corinth. You're familiar with the Corinthians. Uh, then he was uh, with, with Centuria. And then he comes across the Aegean Sea to this town called Ephesus. And Ephesus was, a, it was actually a beautiful place. Why would anybody want to go to Ephesus. Well, let, let's take a look at modern Ephesus. I think I wouldn't mind going there. How do you like the cruise ships that just kind of pull in there, huh? Uh, it was a port city. Uh, and in that day, it was about 500,000 people. It was the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire. Fourth largest city. Uh, listen, Jerusalem only had 100,000 people. Over here in, in Ephesus, there were 500,000 people. It was the fourth largest city in the Roman Empire that was taking over the world at that time. 
And here they are. Uh, Paul gets to go into this place. Let me show you one of the, uh, the sites here. The next picture is a, a, of a site. This is called the Temple of Artemis. This is a, a model that's been rebuilt today, uh, but it's, it's, it, it's, it, it's of, the, uh, of the Temple of Artemis. And I want you to think about the Temple of Artemis here. It, uh, it was 450 feet long. It was 225 feet wide, 60 feet. The pillars are 60 feet high, and there are 127 of those pillars. Those columns, there's 127 of them. Some are on the outside, some are on the inside, but 127 columns. Uh, Each one of those columns weighs 15 tons. Now, this is incredible for that to be built even in that day. And, And so as you came over the hills coming into Ephesus. As you came in, on the, came in by sea into the port, what you saw was this incredible building everywhere. And it was like the Roman Empire was flexing its muscle. The Roman Empire was saying, look what we can do. Look what we can build. And so this temple of Artemis was to what we know as a false god. Uh, but uh, the people of Ephesus were worshiping Artemis. The people of Ephesus, they would go into this temple, and at the, at the, uh, at the front of the temple, there was an altar, and, uh, and above the temple was this, this, uh, this statue of Artemis. And Artemis kind of had like a, a the bottom was kind of looked like a mummy, and the, the upper part just had female body parts all over the place. And I don't have a picture for you, sorry, Okay. I just, you can Google and find it on your own, all right? So I just didn't think it was appropriate to put up. But she was known as the goddess of fertility. The goddess of fertility. And so these people would come in, and, uh, and then they would, come, uh, they would come in, do their, their temple worship, and then they would leave, and they would go, and they would buy little, little trinkets of Artemis. They would buy little statues and take them home, hoping that Artemis would bless them hoping that Artemis would bless their crops, that would bless their family, that would help them to multiply, and all the prosperity that would come with the fertility God, all that stuff there. And so this was the town. You know, this was known, and it still is known, as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. This was in Ephesus. This is where Paul is writing the letter. He's writing the letter to the saints, not to the Ephesus at large, but to the saints, to the church in Ephesus. And so when Paul arrived, this is what happened. He's, he's inundated with this environment. These people are, it, it's, it's overwhelming. And, uh, and not only did they worship Artemis, but they were also known uh, for, their, for their black magic. They were known for their, their, uh, their spells, their, their potions, and, and all these type of things from black magic. And it was really a dark place. It was really a dark place. There were sorcerers everywhere, walking up and down the streets. Shakespeare said this of Ephesus. He said, Ephesus is full of dark working sorcerers that go to change the mind of men and women who walk the street. It it was just, it was darkness. It was dark. You know, know, when we go to to New York City, you, you think of, oh man, there's so much so much fun, but yet there's a dark side of New York City. Uh, you think of, uh, of, of places like that. Uh, then the next thing, just down the street from, from the temple was the Colosseum. And th- this was etched into the hillside, 24,000 seats etched into the hillside. And they would have entertainment there. Entertainment would happen night and day. People would be coming all the time. And, and so when you arrived, it would be just like going to New York City, the city that never sleeps. When you arrived at Ephesus, it was the city that never slept. And you could go down there and you could be entertained and you could spend your money. And it was just a wonderful place because it was this place of commerce, right? And then you could walk away from there and on your way home, buy yourself a little trinket of Artemis and take Artemis home. And then you could also, they also had these little things. They were uh, like little spells, little little abracadabra statements that they would write on the scrolls. They would write them on papyrus, and you could buy these little scrolls, and you would go home, and you'd hide them under your arm. You'd keep it close to you. You would, you would, you would bury it in your yard. You would do whatever they said because you wanted to have this blessing. And it was really a darkness, really a dark, dark place. This is the town that of Ephesus. 
And so Paul, we're going to jump over now. So the first verse one of, of Ephesians says that Paul is there. He's writing it to the saints at Ephesus, and he, he greets them with grace and peace. But let's go over to Acts chapter 18 this morning to get a little bit of the story behind the book of Acts, uh, behind the book of Ephesians. Acts 18, when you, we had Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those were four books that give us eyewitness accounts of the life of Jesus. Luke, he was a doctor. He didn't actually eyewitness himself, but he compiled all the eyewitness reports, and he gives you his record. Matthew, um, Mark, and John, eyewitness accounts, and they, they give us eyewitness accounts of the life of Christ. The book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles, the action. This is what the early church did. So I'm going to give you some, some of what the early church did here. It was the Apostle Paul, and he's making on his rounds. He goes up, and you saw the lines all over that map there. Acts 18, verse 18. Um, Paul stayed on in Corinth for some time. Then he left the brothers and sailed for Syria, accompanied by Priscilla and Aquila. Um, before he sailed, he had his hair cut off at, at Centuria because of a vow he had taken. Uh, we talked a lot this year about the, the Nazarite vow. When we talked about Samson, he had cut his hair uh, because the, what they would do, you cut your hair once and then you go into this period of time where you would not cut your hair because you would maybe 90 days, maybe 100 days, 120 days, whatever, but you would be into this time when you would be praying and seeking God for something. So Paul, when it says that he shaved his head, his hair's, you know, he's bald now. And he's showing up at Ephesus with, with a bald head because he's in a time of prayer and seeking God for something. Verse 19, they arrived at Ephesus where Paul left Priscilla and Aquila. He himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to spend more time with them, he declined. But as he left, he promised, I will come back if it is God's will. I'll come back. So, so in other words, he, he's out there. He's spreading the gospel. He's doing the work of God. And then he says, uh, that he, it's time to go, but I'll come back if God wills it. Because he, he obviously had some good connections there. Then he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church and then went down to Antioch. So the gospel's being spread. Paul's doing the work of God. And, uh, and he, he has some sort of connection with the people at Ephesus. He's made one stop, and now it's time to make a second round. Chapter 19. Uh, while Apollos was at Corinth, so remember across the, on the map there across the Aegean Sea, another guy named Apollos. So there was Paul. This other fellow, his name was Apollos. And he went around, and he was trying to do good work for God as well. So he's out and he's doing a ministry. He's over in Corinth. Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. So Apollos is over at Corinth. Paul comes, makes his travel up to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Now, this is very interesting. He comes up to the... Remember, this was a, an inaugurational time of the church. The church was new. Um, God was doing some different and exciting things in that day. And he comes up to them and he says, Did you receive the Holy Spirit whenever you, whenever you came, uh, when, whenever you found God? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul, Paul asked, Then what baptism did you receive? And John's baptism, they replied. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. So he clarifies here what had happened. This guy, Apollos, was coming, and he didn't have the full message yet. He didn't have the completed message that Jesus has risen from the dead, and you must follow him, and we're no longer doing the ministry of John the Baptist. We're doing the ministry of Jesus. We're, we're followers of Jesus. And so all those people, now look here, this is kind of cool. It says, on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Some of you have a similar experience. Some of you say, well, I was baptized as a child. And you know what? That's cool. Now you've become a follower of Christ. We get baptized again. Um, see what happened it was like now that I have the spirit of God now that God's spirit is in me I am going to let the world know baptism is just that you're letting the outward you're letting somebody else know letting the world know that you are a follower of Jesus Christ 
He has, uh, he's died, he risen, he came back to life for you, and you're saying, I'm one of his followers. And so that's what happened with these folks here. Once they found out that, whoa, it's no longer the message of John the Baptist because Jesus has come. They accept Jesus, and then they go on. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, now this is kind of cool. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other languages and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. I want you to think about this. Remember, I said this was an inaugural time of the church. Uh, there, were some, there were things that were happening in the book of Acts that don't happen today. Uh, and many things that happened in the book of Acts that we don't see today. And one of them was here that they came and, and, and Paul was able to, to, to tell them that the Holy Spirit came upon them at this moment and he laid hands on them and there was prayer. And, uh, and, and it's a very interesting time of the church. But God was doing, remember, they didn't even have the whole Bible yet. They had the Old Testament. They weren't reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John yet. They weren't reading 1 Corinthians and Ephesians and all these books. So it was an inaugural time of the church. Verse 8, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate. They refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. Christians were known as the way. Uh, before they were known as Christians, they were known as the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. They were followers of the way. So it was the movement called the way. And so here the, here the writer of Acts is telling us, hey, uh, the, these Christians, uh, the, the, they were beating up the way. They were maligning the way. So Paul left them. He took the disciples with him, and he had a discussion daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannius. So he takes these 12 guys that were, that were just new in Christ and, and really excited to be connected with the Spirit of God. And they are out there and they are teaching people. And they go into this lecture hall and they start to teach. And they begin to meet with people day and night. This went on for two years. Verse 10, this went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Everybody, now, now think about this. Everybody who lived in the province of Asia, remember that map I showed you that said Asia? When I read that, quite often I want to say, and everybody who was in Ephesus heard the word of the Lord. No, no, everybody in the whole province of Asia, everybody in that whole region heard the word of the Lord. You know, I hear great stories about people whenever they start churches and they go out and they let everybody in the community know about Jesus Christ. Pastor John, when he came here 47, 49 years ago now, uh, I heard that he knocked on every door in library in Finleyville. I run into old timers all the time and say, oh yeah, that guy knocked on my door. I hear it all the time. Jerry Falwell, down in Lynchburg, Virginia, he went, the word was that he knocked on every door within 10 miles of Lynchburg. And, and you know, you, hear, you can hear some stories from people down there that, oh yeah, I remember when he did that. Now, let me share this with you. If somebody comes and knocks on your door today, it's a little different, isn't it? Somebody knocks on your door, you're like, whoa, honey, the doorbell. Who is it? Go hide, everybody. See, it's, our culture is so different, isn't it? But today, we're still going out and we are taking the message out. It's going out in your jobs. It's going out in your, in your recreation. It's going out. We're infiltrating a community for Jesus Christ. We're out there and we're telling people about Jesus. And I want to, com uh, I want to encourage you because today it's not about one or two or a team of 10 people that will do it. It's about a church, about 300, 500 people going out and saying, we're going to make a difference in our community. And it just oozes out of us at breakfast, at lunch, at dinner. It oozes out of us at the grocery store. Uh, the, the other day, I was out in the grocery store, and, uh, and I just said hi to somebody. I mean, just something as simple as hi. You know, this person got a hold of me later on and said, you don't know what that meant that you said hi. I want to encourage you, go out there and make a difference for Jesus. That's what the Apostle Paul was doing. He's out there. He's talking. He's sharing the love of God. He's teaching the message of Jesus. Now, this, this is kind of cool here. Now, verse 11, Acts 19, verse 11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illness were cured and their evil spirits left them. This was a town 
that was filled with such darkness. This was a town that had this false god worship looking for the goddess of fertility to bless them. This was a town that had so many, so many issues, and God is doing something special. Now, that word extraordinary, God did extraordinary miracles. Sometimes it is translated special. God did special miracles. Others translated unusual. God did unusual. Um, this was not normal. Uh, let me give you this. This is the Ken Barner translation, okay? Kids, don't try this at home. God was not saying, hey, the Apostle Paul blessed handkerchiefs, and therefore you ought to hand them out. You ought to do the same. No, 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 no. If you see somebody on TV that says, send in $100, and I'll send you a handkerchief, please don't do it. Call me. I'll take your $100 quickly. We have lots of needs here. What I'm saying is, look, it's not meant to be something that's replicated. This was something that God did in that moment. He uses the word, the writer tells us here, extraordinary, unusual, not normal. This is not the way it normally happens. Uh, the other apostles weren't sending out handkerchiefs. This was something that God was doing in this moment in time. So, and, and, and further, to, to take that, don't, don't mimic this, look at it in context. So let's look at the next verse here. Verse 13, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, Paul whom preaches, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. So they, would, they said, oh, Paul doesn't. Well, we can do it. So they would see that Paul was casting out demons, Paul was doing different things, and they would come and say, okay, in the name of the Lord Jesus, be, be gone. And so what would happen is they were, they were just mimicking. And, and what is really wild is there was a, a guy, uh, he had seven sons, verse 14, seven sons of Sceva, he was a Jewish high priest, a Jewish priest, seven, he had seven sons, they were doing this, they were going around. And one day, the evil spirits, verse 15, the evil spirits answered them. So they're coming out and they're saying, be gone in the name of Jesus. And look what the evil spirit replies to these guys who were fake. These guys who were just merely imitating and didn't have a connection to Jesus at all. He said, Jesus, I know and I know about Paul, but who are you? The evil spirit says, Jesus, I know. I know about Paul, but who are you? In other words, even the evil spirit recognized that this is not Jesus. How dare you try to, you don't have any authority. Listen, the only authority that has, the only authority over darkness is Jesus, amen? The only authority over darkness is Jesus, not an imitation. So let's not become cheap imitators. And that's what was happening. These guys were becoming cheap imitators. They were not connected to God. Paul was connected to God. His disciples were connected to God. These others, they said, Paul can do it. Maybe we can get a crowd too. Maybe we'll be able to, to strum up and do, do even better than Paul. And so they start mimicking it. And the evil spirit says no. And then this is what gets wild. For some reason, I don't remember this one in Sunday school. And look at verse 16. Here's why. Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and, empowered, and overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Now, if I would have been a kid and heard about seven guys that got beat up by an evil spirit and running out naked and bleeding, I'll tell you what, I'd remember that one, okay? I, I, maybe they just couldn't get it on the flannel graph. It just didn't look good on flannel graph, right? Um, but listen, here's what happened. They, this is, we got some history here. They're actually running out. They've been beat up by the demon because the demon says, you have no authority. You don't know Jesus. And today I want to ask you, do you know Jesus? Do you understand who he is? Verse 17, when, when this became known to the Jews and all the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. God did a radical movement the people of Ephesus heard that the people who were imitating Jesus got beat up by a demon, but the people who were not imitating Jesus, those were the people who had power. And they said, we are going to get connected to that God. That's the kind of God. We want that transformational God. We want that real God because there's real power in that God. 
Verse 18, many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. So many people who began to truly become followers of Christ, they would come and say, man, I'm I'm just done with this stuff. I'm done with this. I I don't know, I no longer need these scrolls. I no longer need my, uh, my statues of Artemis. Verse 19, a number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. Or in other words, roughly that would be today about $100,000. And then this is, this is what's really radical here. Verse 20 says, in this way, in this way the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. This is how it happened. And in this fashion, in this manner, people came to Christ and they gave up their sorcery. They gave up their trinkets. They gave up their spells. They brought their scrolls and they burned them. And that's what happened. And that's how the, how the church at Ephesus was birthed. That's how it took off. And, and God did great things there. And I just can't help but ask, as we get ready to go into the book of Ephesians for the next few weeks, what about us? What about us? Uh, isn't God still in this way, when Christians come and get serious about Jesus and they follow him and all of a sudden they just start to, the, the old ways become old and the new ways become new? I think sometimes we forget about the new ways. Sometimes we get so enraged with his love that we forget there are new ways and God's called us to new ways. And when you go to the new way, the old way looks really radical. It looks really far out there. It looks, I don't even want to go there anymore. But when I come to the new way, I'm follower of the way, the truth, the life. Now I don't have to go over here. I don't have to pick up my sorcery anymore. And what would happen in churches all across this land if we got serious and we saw men get serious about Jesus and say, I'm going to be a follower of the way and I don't need that computer anymore. I don't need that stuff that's hurting my marriage, that's hurting my kids, that's hurting my mind, my heart. What would happen if, if men, if women could get serious and say, man, I don't need these things over here that once plagued me. I can now become a follower of Jesus Christ. You know what happens? We, we be, there's stages of faith. I'd like to just share this with you. Three stages of faith, and those are what are on your notes there. Three stages of faith. What happens is quite often we look at God and, and we, we kind of progress through this and and, and so there's, there are people that look at God like he's the magic genie. The magic genie God. You know, when you, remember those movies? You pick up the magic genie and you rub, rub the magic lamp and out comes the genie, you know? He's always good looking with muscles. And he says, I'll give you three wishes. All right, I'll take a new car. Oh, I'll take a whole car lot. All right, you know? And you, you come up with your three, with your three wishes. Um, that's not God. You see, when we're serving, when when we're coming and looking at God like that, we're saying he serves me. We're saying, we're we're looking at a God who serves me, and God's much bigger than that. God's not the magic genie in a bottle. Um, Sometimes we, we say, we'll call on God because I prayed, because I prayed he should do something for me. And God has given us a, a powerful gift in prayer. But when we go to just the, here's what happens. The magic genie says, I'm in trouble. Okay, I'm here. Help me, God. Help me get through this, my kids. God, help me get through this, my family, uh, my job. Help me get through this, Lord. And then we rub the lamp. We may or may not get our wish. And then we never come back. That's stage one. Uh, stage two is the cosmic consultant God. The cosmic consultant God. He, he has all this wisdom and knowledge. And you know what happens when you hire a consultant? You get a consultant, you hire them, Right? And a consultant may come in, they may consult you, and, uh, and they may give you all kind of things. And then you say, well, I hired him, I can pick and choose what I want. And so typically when a consultant comes in, there's a few things that you don't take, right? Now, if you have a consultant come in and look at your house and, and make recommendations, you'll say, okay, I'll take all this, but I'll pass over that last page. And here's what happens. Many people come to God's Word, and they just look at it and say, oh, I love the part about love. I love His grace. Oh, I don't really like that part about forgiveness. I don't really like that part where, God, you want to change me? And so, so they kind of just pick and choose. 
and they, and they, they skip over. And then lastly, uh, and, and I mean, the, the cosmic consultant God, he's the God who works for me. So, so the, the, the magic genie, he serves me. The, the cosmic consultant God, he works for me. I've hired him and I get good advice from him. I have a friend of mine who, who, uh, who reads the book of Proverbs and he reads one chapter every day, but he's not connected to Jesus. And he tells me how the book of Proverbs has transformed his business. And he's got so many great things, but, but he personally does not have this, this heart connection to God. And I was like, wow, man, if only you could see there's so much more in there. There's so much more. And he was just coming to him for the cosmic consultant. And then, and then lastly is, uh, is Lord God. And this is where, where God wants us all to be. He wants us to worship him as Lord. The word Lord meaning master. He is the master. He is in charge. And this is the God. When you're coming to the Lord God, you're coming to the God and I serve him. You see, the, the magic genie God, he serves me. The other, the other one, he works for me. But Lord God, it's all different. I serve him. Whatever he says goes. Whatever he says goes. If you go into the, into the book of, uh, in, into the chapter 19 there of Acts, and you read the rest of that chapter, you'll see some powerful things happen here. And this is what really excites me here. It, uh, um, that the whole town is enraged because people, so many people were coming to Christ that they no longer were buying the scrolls. They, were, they just burned up a bunch of the scrolls. Well, now it's affecting business. They're no longer buying the, uh, no longer selling the little statues. And so it's affected these people. All the craftsmen are, are getting upset. And so this riot, a near riot breaks out in Ephesus. And, and that, that big Colosseum that we saw there, I want you to imagine that Colosseum just filled with people and the riot is about ready to break out and the mayor of Ephesus gets up. And the mayor was able to quiet them down. Acts 19, verse 35. That at last, the mayor, of, the mayor was able to quiet them down enough to speak. Citizens of Ephesus, he said, everyone knows that Ephesus is the official guardian of the temple of the great Artemis, whose image fell down to us from heaven. Since this is an undeniable fact, you should stay calm and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, but they... Now check this out. This is so incredible that this is what the outside saw of Paul and his disciples. You have brought these men here, but they have stolen nothing from the temple and have not spoken against our goddess. We don't have to go attack the goddess Artemis. We don't have to go hold up signs and protest. We tell them who our great God is. And it changes people's lives. I want to encourage you. Who are you following this morning? Are you following the, the genie God where you just want, ah, I'll take a little bit from you, God? Are you following him as Lord? Um, two questions as we close today. Question number one, what have I done with the name of Jesus? What have I done with the name of Jesus? Would the enemy know you as authentic? Would the enemy know that you are authentic? Um, if you came into confrontation with the enemy, would they know you as authentic? Would they know, yes, you're truly of Jesus? Do you possess him? Do you have him in your heart? Is it real? Not is it something that you did as a kid, you prayed some prayer. Not is it some prayer you prayed as an adult. Is it real? Is Jesus in your life? Are you connected to him? And number two, are you willing to trust him with your daily life? Can you trust God with your daily life? You know, we have church on Sunday, and it's great. We come, we encourage one another. But God wants you on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. He doesn't want just church matters. He wants you to be able to deal with singleness, with your marriage, with your job. Are you willing to respond to the great God? Make him Lord. Are you willing to be all in? This is the group of people in the town of Ephesus. We're going to take off in the next few weeks and go through this book of Ephesians and, and really dig into it. But we're going to see that this group of people laid a huge foundation and Paul's writing a letter to them. They were all in. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed tonight, I want to 
encourage you to be all in. Jesus was all in for you. He went to the cross, and he was all in. He died on the cross. He was committed. He had skin in the game. He paid for your sin. He died a brutal death. He was buried. Three days later, he conquers death. And you can put your trust in him. You can be all in on him because he's all in on you. So today, I want to ask you, where are you at in the stages of faith there? Are you, some of these people in Ephesus, whenever they got, they got radical, they said, we don't need these scrolls anymore. Let's burn them. We're done. We're, I'm, making a, I'm making a new life. I'm following the way. And they didn't go condemn the other people who were on the scrolls. They just told them about Jesus. They told them why they didn't need the scroll anymore. They, they, they shared this incredible God, and God rocked a city. The fourth largest city of the Roman Empire, he rocked it. So this morning, I invite you to come to Christ. If you'd like to make him Lord of your life today, I invite you to just humbly humble yourself before the almighty King of kings and Lord of lords and just meet with him right now and just call on his name and just say something like this, Dear God, I'm a sinner, Lord, and I need a Savior. God, I'm coming today and I want to be all in. I'm humbling myself because you died on the cross and you paid, your, paid for my sin. And you conquered death. You came back to life again. God, I invite you into my life right now. And for others in this place, maybe you've been following Christ, but it's gotten a little bit, a little bit fuzzy out there. It's, it's just getting... You're not all in lately. You've just, just been doing the Sunday thing or, or whatever thing, but man, God wants you tomorrow. He wants you Monday. He wants you Tuesday. He wants your business. He wants your marriage. He wants your singleness. He wants your, your recreation. He wants everything. Are you willing to submit to Him? Because when you do that, He does radical things in your life. I submit to you to submit to Christ. Father God, I thank you for this great day. Thank you for your word, and I pray you'll be with our people, Lord, as they respond to your goodness, Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Please.